Hello and welcome to your Friday footy news fix on the NRL podcast. I'm Zach Bailey, joined by Dan Walsh now. But Walshy, uh, not too far away, I'm going to tell you to move over because we've got our first ever guest on this podcast, the great mad dog, Mr. Manshake himself, Adam McDougall. Yeah, mate, I know you've been waiting for this for this day for a while. So congratulations, you got there. But, uh, mate, even better, getting uh, yeah, Mad Dog on one of the game's great characters. And, yeah, mate, good stuff. We can uh, condense my lot to about half. Probably we must, should be. We must be doing something right. I've attracted the attention of Adam McDougall. Uh, we're going, uh, we're recording this uh, 1.43 p.m. Uh, we'll talk all these contract news now, given you are, uh, uh, well, this is, your area of expertise, Dan. Uh, the West Tigers, Michael Maguire will be their coach after so much conjecture for season 2022. But I want to know what that means now in terms of their recruitment of players because you've said a couple of times uh, on NRL.com and even on this podcast that there's a lot of cash there, but they couldn't spend it because mm. nobody knew who the boss was going to be. Yeah, and that's kind of, uh, that. that's exactly been the situation. You know, players want to know who they're playing for and where the club's going. So, yeah, they got there in the end. They've got a bit of certainty now. Uh, Tim Sheen's arriving in about a month, I'm told. So that shores it up a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, as I understand it, from um, retention front, that's started to move ahead again now that they're in, just in the last couple of days, now that Madge's... Um, been given an absolute endorsement that 2022 he's there and he's there in charge so yeah obviously as we've said the Tigers have got well over uh, more than a million dollars to spend next year a couple of roster spots um, as I understand it they've had um, they've conducted a few uh, preliminary interviews with players uh, via Zoom as you do in the current climate I uh, believe Tyrone Peachy is one of them so not sure if the Tigers will take that one further in terms of they're weighing up their options, but they're at least well and truly in the market now with some certainty. And yeah, they can actually tell players who they would be playing for, which is pretty significant. So it's, it's a big step forward, isn't it? In terms of this, not, not only for the club, but for a lot of players out there that, you know, their manager might've been saying, sit tight, sit tight. The Tigers might be interested, but we want to see the coaches. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's entirely natural from all from all ends of uh, of the conversations there. So, yeah, having that certainty just lets the club move forward, and it lets the market move forward a little bit as well. So, yeah, we'll see. Not sure how quickly things will progress because if you've been the like you know the Tigers, they haven't got all their recruitment decisions right over the last couple of years or over the course of their history, to be honest. So, uh, you'd want them to be. Yeah, moving, I guess, with a bit of circumspection. But, uh, yeah, it at least it's a significant hurdle that's now out of the way. Are they still looking at a, an experienced and senior middle in terms I of a, a so, sun right, forward yeah. or whether it's a lock forward or not? Yeah, which is where a guy like um, Tarek Sims could potentially, you know, pop up. In term, and Adam Elliott's another one that they've been linked to. Both of those guys, you know, they're not well. Tarek's obviously one of the most experienced and um, most professional guys in the game. There was talk of him being moved into a middle role over the next couple of years, anyway, before being given permission by the Dragons to to look around. So that could be an option there. But uh, yeah, I believe they're still looking for someone to basically take a bit of the lead with um, 
with James Tamo, who I suspect is probably in the last year of his career here. So, yeah, it's an interesting one for the Tigers and they've got some great depth there in terms of some of the young forwards they've got, but they could probably do with another senior figure as well. Okay, now uh, the Titans, they got rid of Tyrone Peachy and Ash Taylor in terms of players that could potentially be in their halves next year. And news this week came as a shock to a lot of us that Mm. their skipper, uh, Jamal Fogarty, who has had an incredible comeback after what missing out on NRL action for about five years or so. And his rise over the last couple of years has been um, incredible to, as I said, captaining the team. Might end up in Canberra. This came out of left field. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, yeah, quite an interesting one for a midweeker. Uh, so as I understand it, the way it's played out is um, Toby Sexton. Great raps on the kid. You know, there's AJ Brimson and Jaden Campbell there in the Titan spine as well. Uh, Toby Sexton and Jamal Fogarty managed by the same management group. And so they've had a bit of a look at it there and thought they're wondering if Jamal's going to get as much game time as he probably should next year, given that competition for spots for the Titans. It's a great situation and they love Jamal Fogarty in terms of what he brings. You know, he's a, um, he's quite a calm measured halfback, but probably more importantly, he's the club captain and he really sets the tone. He's been a great influence there. So, but the Raiders, they're looking for the exact same thing, aren't they? So there's some discussions there. It progressed to the point where, uh, you know, I believe Jamal's camp was about to go to the Titans and say, we'd like to have a look around with your permission because that's the nature of what's needed under the contract system. The Titans said, no way, Uh, you're too important to us. We'd like to keep you here and told the Raiders as much. Uh, The interesting aspect about this is no one from the Titans will speak publicly to it because it is such a delicate situation. And we've seen before when a player intimates that they want out, if they keep pushing for it, it will, you know, more often than not, it eventually happens. So it'll be an interesting one to see where it progresses to, especially if Jamal Fogarty uh, misses out on a bit of game time at the start of next year. It might take that long for things to really move along because at the moment, He's on contract for the Titans for the next two years. And they've said, no, you're very much in our plans. You're here to mould these young playmakers. And we've got, we've definitely got a role for you here at the moment. So, yeah, so a bit of water to come under the bridge at the moment. But, um, yeah, the Raiders halfback search continues. And as I understand it, they haven't ruled out another play for Jamal if things progress at the other end. But, of course, he's on contract, so it makes it a little bit more difficult. It's a really interesting scenario because from Jamal's point of view, you go, I could go to Canberra, I could work under Ricky Stewart, I would be guaranteed their number seven jersey and I could go there from November 1 if the Titans let me. Whereas from the Titans' perspective, they've, as they've, they've built the team around him in terms of, I know he's not the biggest name player, but he's their skipper. And he, he's never saved our attitude and he digs in and he's a great trainer and all that kind of stuff. Would help the likes of Sexton. Are, are we sure that he wouldn't get a lot of game time with the Titans next year? Yeah, that was my question. I know some people, and to be fair, these are reporters and people on the ground up in Brisbane and up on the Gold Coast. So they're closer to the action saying that Justin, Justin Holbrook is penciling uh, Toby Sexton in almost as his half already. I'm not sure if that's the case, but of course, there was a period right up, right before the finals where Jamal couldn't get a start. So mm. it's a fair question to ask. But yeah, I, 
you've got to remember that Sexton has only played three games. Jaden Campbell's played, you know, only half, only half a dozen games as well. So I think the Titans see it as absolutely. Jamal Fogarty's been such a big part of the progress they've made in the last couple of years. I think there's still very much a role there. But whether he sees that role, um, you know, being diminished in 12 months' time is another thing to factor in. It's, yeah, there's a few moving parts to it. But for the moment, I think he's staying put. I wouldn't be surprised if it progresses further um, over the coming months, though. All right, so knowing your strike rates in the next couple of days, we'll hear that Jamal Fogarty has uh, joined the Raiders and he'll be there on November 1. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, mate. Just having a laugh. It's prelim final week. Everyone's very serious. We need a lot and things up a little bit. Just just on... You're in Mad Dog mode already, mate. I'm in Mad Dog. I can't wait to chat to Mad Dog because he is one of the greats. Um, just in terms of uh, the merry-go-round of playmakers, Ash Taylor, Chanel Harris-Tavita, Cody Nicarima. Do we expect that all to play out soon or later? Or yeah, as you uh, said, like if, if Fogarty doesn't end up in Canberra potentially till a few games in the next year, then that can it could cause ripple effects to a lot of these players. Absolutely, and yeah, the Warriors—they're looking at a few a few of those halves. They've met with Ash Taylor. There's talk around uh, young Luke Metcalf out of the, out of Cronulla as well, uh, and so. That then clouds the future of guys like Chanel Harris-Tavita, Cody Nicarima. Uh, Canberra has been linked to Chanel Harris-Tavita, whether he's the type of game-managing halfback they need to pair with Jack Whiten. There's just so many questions around it, and it will be a little bit like the Adam Reynolds situation in the middle of the year when one domino fell and then another and another and another. And it is just a little bit of a holding pattern at the moment, and... Yeah, something like Jamal Fogarty, a little bit out of left field, but that was shaping as a domino, and it still might be if it progresses. So there's just this little bit of a holding pattern at the moment across the game. Oh, isn't it good, Dan, uh, when everybody, uh, or when full-time is called on uh, October 3, grand final, one and done, we'll all know you'll be at your desk at 8am the next day chasing all this up, because with all this in mind, it's going to be a busy off-season. When is it not a busy off-season? Well, sorry. For, for some of us, it's a busy off-season. Others just work on the tan. But uh, no, mate, it, it is the other side of the game and it keeps us busy. It keeps us all talking. It's interesting. Yeah, it is. And it's very intriguing. Uh, each year, there's always, again, like the, this this week is a classic example of it with uh, Jamal Fogarty. No one expected that. Uh, before I speak to Adam McDougall, uh, Walsh's words of wisdom, I let you off the hook last week, but uh, what uh, can you predict for us this week? Yeah. Uh, well, similar sort of thing, mate. In terms of, uh, you know, obviously there's more and more talk around expansion and a decision on that being made uh, after the grand final. And so I think you'll see a lot of clubs in terms of, and so if there was an expansion team coming in, it wouldn't be until 2023 or 2024. But that means the way the contract system works now, everyone, <laughs> you start your engine 18 months, 12 months, if you're lucky, but yeah, people will start moving around about now as soon as that decision's made. So with that in mind, I think you'll see a lot of clubs really starting to crack the whip in terms of their re-signings before that November 1 deadline. And uh, yeah, that's where I see things playing out quite quickly over the next month or so. Because there are a host of players off contract, big name players as well off contract at the end of next year, which would be... Uh... Having a lot of coaches would have a lot of club bosses very, very nervous once or if 
that expansion team is announced. Dan Walsh, uh, some of your best work, mates. Keep your ear to the ground. Can't wait to chat to you next week ahead of the NRL Grand Final. Beautiful, Zach. Enjoy, mate. Say good day to Adam for me. I will. From one of NRL.com's greats to one of the game's great outside backs, he's going to help me preview the finals and talk about the latest Manshake NRL Community Challenge. It is Mr. Manshake himself, Adam McDougall. Yeah, look, I've got not too much to complain about. I've got my health, my family are healthy. Uh, the only thing I can complain about is the fact that I've got a four-year-old and a six-year-old stuck under my feet most, most minutes of every day and uh, certainly realising just how intolerant I am to, uh, to uh, little kids and their, their yelling demands. I'm sure you'll look back at this time, Adam, and think, you know, it was great to have the kids under your feet. We will talk about uh, your passion for mental health and the NRL community challenge uh, with the Manshake in a little bit. But let's preview some finals uh, footy, prelim final time. What do you love about this time of the year? Oh, look, um, it's always the best time of the year when the uh, the sun begins to uh, shine on the football fields and, uh, you know, the intensity and the great players really stand up at uh, this time of the year. This is when... Uh, all the work that you put in over the preseason, which is the hardest part, and for a number of years, just as a team, really comes together to give you an opportunity, um, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for that matter, to hopefully hold a trophy above your head. And I always say that uh, winning a premiership is the greatest achievement any player can uh, achieve. It outweighs playing for your country and playing state of origin because you do it with you know, a group of players which you endure so much suffering and hardship with over a prolonged period of time to really climb the highest mountain there is, which is winning the premiership in the NRL. So, uh, mate, this is when the... The real footy comes out and the real football will certainly stand up now. Adam, you played 13 finals matches between 1997 and 2011, just a decade ago. Uh, was there one battle that you always looked forward to most? One player that you loved eyeing off and saying, I want to take you down? Oh, look, um, you know, certainly always playing against my old mate Wendell Saylor was good. Uh, unfortunately, probably the only thing I didn't get to uh, play uh, with him or against him, I should say, is on the grand final stage. So, uh, Probably 2000 was a great opportunity for us to do that. We uh, got beaten by the Roosters in that prelim final. And it's probably the worst loss of my career. And any player that played in that game will say the same thing. Probably the best club football side I ever played in was that 2000 side. Um, we were up from memory, I think, 18-6 at halftime against the Roosters. Um, probably should have been up 24-6 if Bill Harrigan wasn't so happy with the whistle and disallowed a try. Um, and, you know, the famous Andrew John Sledge to... Brad Fittler walking up the tunnel at halftime was, uh, can you have a beer for me on Mad Monday, Freddie? And uh, that was enough to inspire the Roosters to turn things around and uh, come from behind and clinch a great victory and one which still leaves a, a bad taste in my mouth and I still have nightmares over it. But uh, that would have been the opportunity to play against Big Wendell in the grand final 2000. They obviously went on to win the premiership and uh, we'd beaten the Broncos comprehensively that year, I think by about 54 points to six um, a few weeks earlier at our home ground. So... It's certainly a missed opportunity and a game I would have loved the opportunity to play against Wendell in for sure. And what about when you look to 2021, you see the evolution of the wingers and the centres. They're very, very big. They're muscly. A lot of them are like forwards running out wide. Is is there one player in the modern game that you'd love to have a go with? Because you were named Mad Dog for a reason and no doubt you'd love to get your terrier-like instincts into someone. <laughs> look, I, I think... Um, not, not, not really. I, I just really sit back now and just applaud some of the finishing ability of some of these players and, you know, the diversity and the different shapes and sizes as you touched upon of, of some of these wingers. You know, there's some short wingers that are great at the play twos, bringing the ball forward. There's some really tall athletic wingers that are great at jumping above the pack and, and taking them cross-field kicks. And, uh, you know, and there's a, obviously the speed machine, which is Josh Adokar. You know, what, what a player he is. So uh, there's certainly a number of great players and uh, 
you know, you look at some of the fullbacks as well. You know, there's so many brilliant fullbacks at the moment, you know, particularly uh, Jarojevic, who's, you know, really probably, I think, revolutionising the way that, you know, fullbacks are playing the game. He's not only a great support player, but he's also a damaging ball runner and a great communicator at the back. So probably not one particular player, but um, I'd certainly love the opportunity to, to play the sort of football that's being, you know, showcased at the moment. It's a lot faster, I think, now the game, sort of reminiscent of when I played. Um, the wrestling's been slowly but surely weaned out of the game and it's opening up with the six again rules and the, the uh, I suppose, emphasis on attack. So I'd love to be a part of the attacking modern game of rugby league. It would have suited me, I think, very much so. Well, we'd love you to be in action, but uh, sadly you are retired. But we love to hear your footy insight when it comes to the Rabbitohs and the Seagulls in the first prelim final. Whoever wins this will be the first team through to the grand final. As you said... Uh, the Rabbitohs, your former team. What do you like about them heading into a must-win prelim final? Um, look, you, you've got to really admire, I suppose, the spine of their football side. I, I know that, uh, you know, they're missing Latrell Mitchell, who, who has made an amazing spine for that football side. But, you know, when you have a look at their halves combination, as well as, you know, Cook and Hooker, who's got so much speed off the mark and such a threat himself around that play-the-ball area. Um, South Sydney have, have really got some players that can do anything on, on a given day. Um, but in saying that too, they're rocks and diamonds as well. So on a given day, you're going to get lots of diamonds off some of them South Sydney players. But on a bad day, you're going to get a, a few rocks. So hopefully for the South Sydney fans, these guys don't go out there and have a bad game, which they sort of can make a couple of mistakes early in the game. And that's what Manly will be focusing on, I think, trying to rattle their cages early on, try to put some of these guys off their game, hoping to produce some errors. And then that sort of self-doubt, that negative self-talk may get into some of the, the mindset of some of these key playmakers and then have them on the back foot where they're sort of making error after error. But, um, you know, they're a much better side now under Wayne Bennett. He seems to have steered the ship and gave him more consistency. So when you speak of rocks and diamonds, Manly's Brad Parker is very consistent, defensively especially, but he's out tonight. So you've got Moses Sully coming in and, and he does produce rocks and diamonds. But is he the kind of X-factor player you think that could open this game up for Manly? Yeah, and that, that's the sort of thing you want. I, I suppose, you know, big games, you can be conservative and put a player in, you know, that's going to get a job done. But often these game, games come down to moments in the game that, you know, nobody really realised at the time was going to be a moment. You know, the player may be walking when he should be jogging, you know. A player may decide not to support and push through the line and all of a sudden a player pokes his head through, he's able to reduce an offload or make a break and there's nobody there. And, um, you know, them sort of players that have that X factors to them, they can be the difference between winning and losing a game on both sides. They can produce an error at a crucial time or if the team manages to produce somewhat of an opportunity, they can grab onto it as well and produce brilliance. So, you know, I always say you don't want to die wondering in these big games. So you're often better uh, going with a player that is rocks or diamonds, given the fact that, um, you know, you're either going to win the, the game or lose the game, but you don't want to die wondering. You mentioned his name before, Tom Turbo Trebojevic. How does South Sydney stop the most influential player in the game? Because... We saw Melbourne do it a couple of weeks ago. Then we saw Tom bounce back against the Roosters and have a night out back to his best. So he's in great form, but the Bunnies need to stop him. Yeah, they do. And I think the best way to counter that is just do what Melbourne did, you know, kick the football away from him, kick it to the wingers, don't allow him to bring himself into the game, make him force himself into the game. Because when you have to force yourself into the game, it's really frustrating. You tend to overplay your hand a lot. When the game comes to you, you know, you've seen that a few weeks ago with South Sydney when they bombed the young fullback, Penrith, you know, he dropped the first one. And then after he caught two in a row, I don't know why they kept kicking it to him because his confidence just grew and grew and grew. Um, and that's the same with, with Tom Jurovic. You know, the last thing you want to be doing is kick, kicking the ball to him, allowing him to get himself into the game. You want to really starve possession from him, really suck the oxygen out of him, 
and actually make him, you know, force his hand a little bit and try and find opportunities to get the ball in his hand. And when he does get the ball in the hand, they need to be really vocal. They need to be energetic and get numbers into the tackle like Melbourne did. They used to do it when I played against them. You know, they'd, they'd sort of yell at your name and tell you what sort of foot they're going to step off. He's going to step off his left foot. Here he comes, holding him up in the tackles, getting plenty of numbers there and, you know, producing some niggle. And that's really going to frustrate him um, and not give him that free reign because uh, when you know that the opposition is really focusing on you alone, it creates a lot of frustration. Just give us a little bit of an insight what it's like playing alongside a very popular player that you think might be calling it quits at the end of the year. And I'm speaking of Benji Marshall here. He's had such a decorated career. We don't know whether he'll play on or not, but as one of his teammates, will that add to the factor of the Bunnies wanting to get the job done tonight? Yeah, certainly. You always want to, you know, do the right thing by your teammates. And yeah, Newcastle, we had a, had a saying that be the player you want to play with. And uh, that essentially meant just try to emulate the characteristics of, of a really hardworking, honest footballer. And, you know, you don't want to let down your mates. That's the most important thing. When you, when you step into that dressing room, you want to look around the dressing room and, and realise, you know, the players you've got next to you are going to stand shoulder to shoulder with you and not let you down. And, you know, when you look into the dressing room, you look in the eyes of someone like Benji Marshall, you know, you don't want to let him down and, and allow his legacy in his final game to be one of disappointment. So, you know, I think these guys will be digging extra deep for Benji. Um, and, and, you know, it reminds me a bit of the 2001 grand final. You know, we stepped into that dressing room that day and I looked around the dressing room and, you know, there was 11 internationals and state of origin players and, you know, the superstars of the game, like, you know, Andrew Johns, Ben Kennedy, Danny Badiris. And you knew then and there that we're going to win because you had confidence in the players around you. And that's the sort of, I suppose, presence that someone like Benji brings. He'll uh, bring that presence, but he also bring that weight of expectation from his teammates that they need to stand up and give a performance that is, I suppose, symbolic of, of what he's achieved in the game so far. Okay, prelim final one. Who wins and why? Um, look, I really like South Sydney. I just think, you know, that winner against Penrith rocked the final series. No one predicted that they could do that. And, um, you know, whilst Manly have had the edge over South in the last few encounters, I just think that win has really hardened South and they found a style of football, which is finals football. And, you know, they've got the great Wayne Bennett there now. And, um, you know, he's certainly wanting to go out. Let's not forget he's leaving as well. So there's a huge incentive for him to go out um, on top. And I think the players will want to repay him with a victory um, in this first game. All right. Then our attention will turn to the second prelim final uh, Saturday afternoon, the Melbourne Storm against the Penrith Panthers. A rematch of last year's grand final we thought would be happening on Sunday, October 3, we get it a week early. It's a tale of two completely different uh, runs to the grand final. A team very well rested. Josh Adokar comes back. Penrith, battered, bruised, potentially battle-hardened. How do you see this one shaping up? Yeah, look, it's a great game. And, you know, in the encounters that they've uh, had recently, they haven't faced each other with um, uh, Nathan Cleary in the side. So, you know, you really can't look at past results with these two teams from the last sort of short period of time that there's anything to go by. But, um, you know, sometimes, you know, that week in and week out football in finals football can come to work for you. Just when you think that there's nothing left in the tank for a football team, uh, the emotion and I suppose the expectation and the opportunity that lays in front of you really makes them tired legs become very numb very quickly. You don't really feel the fatigue stepping into these big games. There's so much on the line. So we're all sitting there going, geez, these guys must be exhausted. But um, I can assure you now the adrenaline um, is certainly going to um, overcome any fatigue that they've got in their muscles. Um, so I wouldn't be playing too much into to concerning ourselves with that. But, um, you know, to beat Melbourne, who are such a well-coached team and such a methodical team, Penrith really just can't die wondering. They're going to have to really throw the ball around and um, look to really, I suppose, open up their attacking football 
They were very one-dimensional against Parramatta. They didn't have a lot of points in them. So that's my concern for Penrith going into this game is they just haven't scored a lot of points, um, you know, in these final series matches. They just haven't produced, you know, a lot of variation in attack. They've been very predictable, uh, very one out in their attack. And um, you really haven't seen their halves take on the line enough as far as I'm concerned. You know, we really need to see their halves take on the line more, ask some questions um, and really throw the ball around. That's the only way you're going to beat Melbourne is with dysfunctional chaos, you know, because, you know, they're the sort of team you want to throw the ball out the back, let the ball hit the ground, everyone stops, someone picks up the ball and runs 80 metres. They're the, they're the sort of plays you need to produce against Melbourne. You can't really work towards a game plan that's structured and very conservative and try and complete your sets of six because they'll just strangle you to death with their, their efficiency and their work rate and, and their just ability to complete their sets themselves. Yeah, a very different looking Penrith side in the last two weeks, as you mentioned. They've only scored two tries this final series, both off kicks, one of them fluky as well. So it is a worry given the exciting footy they've played over the last two years or so. Uh, Nathan Cleary, his shoulder isn't 100%. How much traffic do you expect Melbourne to send his way? And how on earth is Nathan going to try and tackle the likes of Felice Cafusi, Kenny Bromwich, Jesse Bromwich... Christian Welsh, Brandon Smith, Nelson Asifa-Solomona, the list goes on. Yeah, look, you know, they've got the best traffic operator in the business in Craig Bellamy. He knows who to send traffic at and uh, he certainly will be sending plenty of traffic to Nathan Cleary. For Penrith fans, you know, a good thing is he doesn't run on his shoulder and that's what we really need to see Nathan do from their point of view is really run the ball this game. Um, he will get lots of attention. They'll want to be taking out lots of petrol and lots of running out of his legs so he's not as effective in attack by making him do lots of defence. But... Um, all he's got to do is get his body in the way and his mates will come in and help him, you know. So in finals football, you know, the desperate defence and the scrambling defence really doesn't see too many players successfully get isolated against. However, they'll be going at him trying to get a quick play the ball and work off the back of that play the ball, then work away from him and keep coming back towards him. So, you know, they'll go at him, go away from him, go at him again. And uh, he's got a, you know, a long, hard 80 minutes in front of him. So hopefully he's uh, eating plenty of pasta and plenty of rice. But he's going to need the carbohydrates for the energy he's going to have to expend on the weekend. All right, so with all that said, uh, who wins, the Storm or the Panthers? Yeah, look, I can't go past the Storm. I, I, you know, without blowing my own trumpet, I predicted them to win the competition this year again, and I still think they're firm favourites. I just think they're, you know, such a well-coached, you know, well-drilled side, and, you know, they've got more attack in them than they've ever had before, you know. They, they, they've got players now in Pappenhausen, you know, Josh Adokar. You know, they can just score from anywhere on the football field. And that makes them such an exciting team because they really are so efficient at, you know, strangling teams, getting into an arm wrestle. And just when that team's sort of getting comfortable in that arm wrestle, you know, they can produce a try from 100 metres and really break your spirits thinking that, you know, we're in this, you know, arm wrestle contest. So they've got that brilliance in their side, which they haven't had, you know, as effectively over the last couple of finals campaigns. And, you know, you've got your Brendan Smiths and some of these players which are adding an extra dimension as well. Um, so we were thought that with the exit of Cameron Smith, they would have become a little bit um, less potent, but... In, in my eyes, they're a much more dangerous football side this final series than they were last year. Who would have thought overcoming Cameron Smith the way they have to be the favourites to take out another premiership? Uh, so if your predictions are right, it's going to be a Rabbitohs Storm grand final on Sunday week. Uh, no doubt you'll be uh, hoping for glory, glory. But could Uncle Wayne, Wayne Bennett, cause one of the all-time upsets against Craig Bellamy? Two of the greatest coaches in the game's history. Yeah, I certainly think they've got the roster South Sydney. Like I said, you just don't know what you're going to get on any given day. And the only way to beat Melbourne Storm is beat them at an unorthodox style of football and producing chaos and, you know, really, I suppose, ad hoc football, playing off the cuff, trying to create, I suppose, go forward. Once you get a quick play to ball, 
really just seizing on everyone pushing forward, pushing through the line, and and really just you know you know chancing your arm with offloads and and you know really just moving the ball around. And South Sydney got the ability to do that. You know we've seen in that first finals game against Penrith. You know Dane Gagai, you know from nowhere, just a little shift to the left hand side. You know a long ball to him. He was able to bust out of the tackle. You know link up back into the middle with the support, and you know he scored a brilliant try off the back of really nothing and they're going nowhere they're coming out of their own end so that that's the sort of blueprint that they'll need to replicate and they've got the capability to do it like you've got benji marshall you know in that football side and we know he, he revolutionized the way that you know attacking rugby league was played with his little hop step and you know he's no look passing and stuff like that so um they've certainly got you know so many players from cody walker you know to, to adam reynolds you know to to cook at dummy half that can really produce some un lib or so ad lib football which is really what needs to be produced against melbourne to give you any chance all right so rugby league's been one of your passions for the last what 20 30 years since you were a young boy growing up and you exceeded at that but one thing you've done since then is really um i guess revolutionized the um, health space for men with the man shake and the uh, man shake nrl community challenge part two has kicked off can you tell us a little bit about this and uh, why you wanted to team up with the nrl yeah, look, um, you know, unfortunately, um, in the last 12 months, I lost my brother um, unexpectedly with a related mental health issue. And, you know, his life was pretty good. He, he was very successful as a solicitor and, you know, nobody really seen it coming. So, you know, I've had a lot of my teammates suffer from mental health issues and, and uh, going through some tough periods currently, some of them as well with mental health issues. And, you know, it's not something to be ashamed of. It's something that's very prevalent and unfortunately too common in society. And for too long, you know, in the dressing room, you know, it was something to be ashamed of. And in society, it was something that was seen as weakness. But, um, you know, I really applaud the NRL for bringing the attention and, and making, you know, the fact that, you know, if you're not mentally okay, it's okay to talk about it. And we just need more awareness and more, I suppose, attention to the fact that there shouldn't be stigma and embarrassment around this issue. Because, um, you know, it's, it's, it's too important to see young men leaving this planet too early, as well as women. And... Um, with the advent of technology and social media in particular, um, people now feel more socially isolated than ever, feel more lonely with COVID on top of that. There's so many people out there struggling at the moment. So anything we can do to, to let people know that, you know, that people care about them and, you know, they want to want to help them if they can is a great initiative. And NRL needs to be applauded for that. And um, where I come in, I suppose, is that, you know, there's a real direct link between your mental health and wellbeing, between that and your physical health and wellbeing. And people overestimate just what they need to do to get healthy and fit. Um, you know, you're certainly a fit-looking rooster, but, um, you know, people probably assume that, you know, you're on some extreme diet or exercise for hours every day, but, you know, it's not about that. It's just about moving, going for a walk, you know, connecting with some people, getting in the outdoors and just eating a sensible diet. It's not doing anything extreme. And it's amazing the results you can get, you know, just by having, you know, a man shake for breakfast or going for a 10-minute walk or going down the park and doing some push-ups or chasing the kids around. It's amazing how that can turn around your physical state which in turn will then change your mental state because they're both very connected. So, yeah, anybody out there that's struggling in lockdown, you know, you can really make some huge changes to your mental health just by taking control over something you can control, and that's the food you eat and how much you move your body. Couldn't agree more. The link between your mental health and physical health is amazing. I know mid-season mid when we're all getting bogged down and we're working six or seven days a week during the footy season, your food intake generally worsens if you're working too much and your physical... Uh, activity levels go down and you notice it straight away. So in terms of the actual challenge, though, what, what, what do people need to do? What, what can you tell us about the actual challenge? Yeah, look, they just need to go to the Manshake website or the uh, NRL website and you can just join up there. And the great thing is, too, if you, know, if you buy some uh, shakes or whatever, you get the challenge for free. So 
Um, it's a great challenge. Actually, you know, get to do the workouts from home on your phone and the workouts have been filmed. We've actually gone and filmed some of the greatest NRL All-Stars in the history of the game from Brad Fitt to Andrew Johns. You know, the list goes on and on. Denny Vergeris, you know, all these guys. And you actually get to take them on in 10-minute workouts in, in the lounge room of your home. So, you know, on a live video, um, you'll get a 10-minute workout and 30 seconds of push-ups. You'll get to see how many push-ups you can do in 30 seconds versus Andrew Johns. And then you might go into another exercise and see how many of them you can do against Andrew Johns. At the end of the 10-minute workout, you, you get a score and you get a score and you see how you, you measure up against them. So it's really, really exciting that, um, you know, we've got this opportunity to use technology to um, train with some of the superstars of the game and get fit while it's fun. And uh, you get your meal plan, they tell you exactly what to eat and whatnot. And we also focus on the mental side as well, you know, give you some drills about breathing and, and um, some mental health stuff as well to sort of get you um, out of that state if you are struggling mentally. I'd love to take on uh, Joey, Freddie, Bedsy and see how I'd go against those guys, especially in the push-ups and sit-up uh, ranks. Um, and another benefit of um, joining the challenge, 20% of the proceeds go to the NRL's State of Mind project, which again ties back to your whole push about the link between mental health and physical health and how they're just so strongly linked. It, it does. And the reality is, is that, um, you know, I committed $50,000 personally up front to go to this cause. And, um, you know, regardless how many numbers we get, it's our passion I am about helping people and wanting to really bring some attention to this much needed situation we face ourselves in. So, you know, it's not that hard to sort of, you know, move forward and, and be healthier and be happier. And, um, you know, we're here to help. So and the NRL is doing a great job and that money's going to go towards helping so many people. So I'm so proud that I can contribute in some small way. And, um, you know, without the game of rugby league, I wouldn't be where I am today. There's so many fantastic rugby league fans that have entrusted me to help them get healthier and fitter and uh, lose the beer gut without losing the beers. And they're quite happy about that. So it's been a win-win for all of us. It's been one of the all-time taglines as well. You've uh, on all winner <laughs> there, that's for sure. Adam, uh, thanks so much for joining me for a chat uh, on our Friday Footy News Fix podcast to preview the finals and especially uh, speak about the Man Shake Challenge and uh, the links and, I guess, the importance of looking after our mental health. Mate, always a pleasure. And uh, bring on the finals. Can't wait for the grand final. That's all we've got time for on today's Friday Footy News Fix. Enjoy the prelim finals this afternoon. That's all we've got time for here on your Friday Footy News Fix. Thanks for tuning in once again. Enjoy the prelim finals. We'll be back next week to talk all things rugby league contracts and, of course, the 2021 NRL Grand Final.